raised there. A choir is going to come down as they're coming down. Uh, Children's Church is going to be meeting over to my left, right here by the Welcome Center. And we, of course, invite all of our youngins that's wanting to go to Children's Church to please make their way that way, okay? Hey, Marty. While they're making their way there, if you want to be turning in your copy of God's Word, you can do so by turning in the New Testament, finding the book of Colossians again. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And while you're looking, if you'll find verse 15. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 15. And we're going to read through verse 17. So just three verses of Scripture today as we can get back to continuing our journey through this wonderful letter. Took a couple of weeks of sideline for Easter and right back in here on Colossians 3, verses 15, 16, and 17. <clears throat> I'll tell you, before we read, um, this week I had a wonderful privilege to uh, be a part of the Engaged Missions Conference over at Lighthouse Church, and we've been talking to you about it for a few months now. And, that's been many years in the planning. It was planned before pandemic and uh, had to be pushed back, of course. But it's just really good to see people gathered uh, shoulder to shoulder and heart to heart and worship. You know, that was something that we really took for granted. And this time, I believe, really ought to shook us, not just, just got our attention, but really shook us to the importance of being able to be together. Uh, because coming together is very important. And over the course of those four days, I had the privilege to listen to 13 sermons. I got my, my belly heart full. And uh, not only that, many other testimonies and breakouts and things of, uh, of uh, missionaries from all over the world. Certainly, I met one brother from Tanzania, and I've got to get one of these. I want to take his picture because this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen this before, Ray. He had his, his sport coat and his, and his slacks, and they was, it was short sleeve. It cut off right there. I, I, was, I said, I guess it must be hot in Tanzania. Yeah, but uh, anyhow, a short sleeve sport coat. So me and Eric are looking for one of those. So, yeah, yeah, maybe not the full wife beater, but just the, just the, uh, just the uh, sport coats. Just seeing, checking with you. But anyhow, it was a great time. And here's, here's what happened in my heart, and I want to tell you before I read the text, is sometimes we have to go to the cardiologist, don't we? I've got a cardiologist over in Carrollton, Georgia. His name is Dr. Charlie Rouse. And man, I love Dr. Rouse. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. First appointment I had, we just had church. And I like that, amen? And just had a great time. But, uh, you know, it's not, I don't have any heart problems. It's just uh, I went to get checked out because I thought 30 years of pastoring had finally got me. But anyhow, just, uh, uh, you know, just stress, stuff like that, dealing with it, what you deal with and everybody else. But, uh, I didn't go to that cardiologist this week. I had, a, I had an appointment I didn't really realize, but I had a 13 hours appointment with my spiritual cardiologist, and that's the Holy Spirit. And he lives within the heart of every believer. And he seeks to guide us in truth, convict us of sin, and help us to lead us to repentance and help us to walk with God faithfully. So the spiritual cardiologist did quite a work on my heart this week. And uh, here's something that the spiritual cardiologist said to me. Uh, he said, son, I think you've been holding back a little bit. Some of y'all are like, dear God. But no. And here's what the Spirit of God really, really mentioned in my heart. It says, don't hold back anything. Whatever I put in your heart, tell my people, 
because time is drawing nigh. It's time for people to that are not believers to come to know Jesus, become children of God. It's time for the children of God to quit playing games for the cross. And it's time to really not just buy in, but to sell out for the glory of God. So I'm going to try my best not to hold back anymore. Will y'all pray for me? Amen. And I really don't hold back on consciously, subconsciously sometimes we do because, you know, I know there's things God leads us to say. And like this lady said to me one time, she said, I'm just shocked at what comes out of your mouth. I said, well, ma'am, you ought to hear it before the filter catches it sometimes. But anyhow, so nevertheless, we'll, we'll try to be faithful what God has called us to do, okay? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, 16, 17. If you can, physically able, would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word? Three short verses, Colossians 3, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, here's what Paul said. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the privilege we have today to be in this place. May your word go forth, may lives be changed, and may you receive all the glory. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm speaking to you today on the subject of here I am to worship. You know that wonderful chorus that we read and sing, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worldly, altogether wonderful to me. When we think about the subject of worship, it's a very common topic of discussion among many people who regularly attend worship services that are designed and planned to honor God, to give him glory because glory belongs to him and him alone. Often the conversation will turn to one's personal preferences concerning what they believe worship should look like or maybe even sound like. There's been a battle over music styles, preaching styles, and every kind of style, dress styles and throughout time, and those battles continue to rage even in the 21st century. But when we hear these debates, it causes us to ask this question. What is true worship and what should it look like and what should it sound like? You've heard me share with you many times that worship literally means and is defined to declare someone or something's worth. When we worship God, we are declaring his worth to a living, to a living church in a lost and dying world. Marty, you'll like this, our old buddy Mike Harlan. You remember we met Mike over at uh, Hunter Street, wasn't it, in the conference? And he was with Lifeway for many years. And he wrote a book years ago called The Seven Words of Worship. It's a wonderful book. And here's what he said. He said, worship is our response to God's revelation of who he is and what he has done. It's our response to God's revelation of who he is and what he has done. See, I believe that statement is right on target because worship involves a response. It certainly does. And when you and I experience the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that comes into our lives and that we were utterly uh, without hope apart from him, 
we are compelled to respond and we respond in a special way in a significant way which magnifies the sovereign Lord it gives honor to him for who he is and what he has done amen I like that definition because sometimes we want to thank God for what he has done which is wonderful but we stop short of just thanking him for who he is Kind of like Bobby and I were talking about, we heard this week, you know, one of the speakers we heard this week was talking about that. It says, we don't sing songs to God to tell him how wonderful he is. Amen? He knows that. We sing those songs declaring that we get it and we grasp how wonderful he is. So in today's text, the Apostle Paul reminds us of the blessings that come to the children of God, those born again, washed in the blood of Calvary, when we put off the old man and we take on the new man. We talked about that just a little bit, and this week talks about the blessings of that. So with that being said, I want to share with you a few things from the text today. It's real simple, nothing fancy, that I truly believe will give you the entire scope of what the worship life of a Christian looks like and how you can come to this place each and every time we have corporate worship and how you can personally in private worship really understand what it means to come before God and say, God, here I am and I've come to worship you. Notice with me, if you will, in verse 15, we notice the scripture tells us about the peace of God, which I want to define as the activation of worship. In verses 12 through 14 of this chapter, we learned about the evidence of a changed life. And you can argue with a lot of things, but you can't argue when there's evidence that a life has truly been changed from the inside out. Someone who has truly been changed by the Lord Jesus will demonstrate some things. They'll demonstrate some qualities, and they'll also demonstrate some characteristics that were listed in verses 12 through 14. They'll demonstrate kindness. They'll demonstrate humility. They'll demonstrate meekness and long-suffering, bearing one another. They'll demonstrate forgiving one another. But verse 15 continues that same thought by calling Christians to be certain that God's peace is the driving force of their lives. And living with the peace of God, I want you to know and notice clearly, when we live with the peace of God, it is the ruling force of our lives and it makes it possible for us to faithfully worship him and respond to him appropriately as the Spirit of God moves upon our hearts and lives. You see, there are many different definitions and descriptions of peace in our world today and some of them are not just inaccurate or incomplete, they are totally false. But the peace that God brings to his children through his son Jesus Christ is different than any other kind of peace this world will ever know. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Can the church say amen to that? Not as the world gives, but, but as I give to you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. Amen? So here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus gives us a peace that he calls my peace. I like that. He gives us his own personal peace, and it's not just a peace that means we will never experience conflict, but it is the sense of wholeness and well-being that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But listen, it is even more than that. 
It's not just the wholeness and the peace and the well-being that comes through a relationship with him. It is the presence of Christ himself. Aren't you glad to know that today? That he is present and active and working in your life. So what is God's peace supposed to do for us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's some good things. Paul said that the peace of God is to rule in your heart. Now that word rule carries the meaning of arbitrate. Here's some good stuff. It literally refers to the one who must take upon himself or herself to decide what is right in a contest. In the Greek games of those days, there were judges, which we might refer to today at our ball games as an umpire. And these judges or umpires, they rejected contestants who were not qualified and they disqualified those who broke the rules. Amen? See, Paul is teaching us something here. He is teaching us to be certain to allow the peace of God to be the umpire in our hearts in the midst of the conflicts in our life. Hear me. If you're going to live in this world, you will experience conflict. Is that not right? Okay, just check it. Make sure. Has anybody got a pulse out there today? Look at it. Okay, let's do it. Hear me. Here, let's do it. In this world, you will experience conflict. And if you're going to stand for the Word of God and the Son of God and be filled with the Spirit of God, you can be certain that conflict will come because you are not fitting in. You are standing out. Amen? And because of those things, I want you to hear me. We must be certain to realize we cannot be away from conflict, but we must allow the peace of God to do that. We must be certain that we are allowing the peace of God within and make sure we don't step outside of his will, even unintentionally, because we don't want to lose that peace. Don't miss the final words of verse 15. He didn't just say, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, but he said this, and be thankful. I've never lived in a time where people were more unthankful and more ungrateful than now. I've never seen ungratefulness and unthankfulness manifest as much as I do in these days. There's so, much, so many people mad and so many people on edge. And that's even made its way into the hearts of the people of God. I watched last week as I was eating dinner with my family after church. I've talked to y'all about how if I've talked to many waitresses and waiters and they tell me they'll work any day but Sunday. You know why? Church crowd shows up. Amen? They gripe, they complain, and they're cheap tippers. I mean, it's just, it's reality. And I watched this one waitress, and I was kind of proud. I didn't know what was going on. They were going out the door. But this one man had his sport coat on. Had his tie shined up, and he was literally walking out the door, pointing his finger at this waitress, treating her as though she was not even human. He, if he would have stayed in, I'd have chatted with him, but he kept going. But anyhow, I thought to myself, dear God, we got our sport coats on. We might even have a big red letter King James Bible under our arm, and we've got all the, uh, the, the things that make it look like we've been to worship, but yet we go into a restaurant and we act like we're children of the devil. God help us. No wonder. Look here, he said be thankful. Thankfulness is what enables us to have a heart that is at peace with God. 
When you're thankful, you can stay right and at peace with God. Gratitude and thankfulness come naturally to believers in response to all that God has done for us. Peace is the ingredient that activates our worship. It's hard to worship when your heart is not at peace with God. Amen? And you're not living with the peace of God. Notice with me a second thing, if you will, not just the peace of God. Verse 16, he talks about the word of God. The peace of God is the activation of worship. The word of God is our foundation of worship. See, when we consider all the Hebrew Old Testament and all the Greek New Testament words that are translated worship, we conclude as we put all their meanings together that worship involves both our attitude, which is our awe, our reverence, and our respect, but it also involves our action bowing, praising, and serving. One of the best books I ever read on worship was written in, I think, the mid to late 80s by Warren Wiersbe. It's called Real Worship. Here's what he said. He said, worship is not an unexpressed feeling, nor is it an empty formality. True worship is balanced and involves the mind, emotions, and will. It must be intelligent. It must reach deep within and be motivated by love, and it must lead to obedient actions that glorify God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a great way to describe worship. But our worship of God must also be based on the Word of God. you believe that? The Spirit of God. You ever heard somebody tell me this? Well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. I know it's not in the Bible, and I know it's not what the Bible says, and it may even be against what the Bible says, but I know what the Holy Spirit told me. You hear me, and you hear me clearly. The Spirit of God will never lead the child of God to participate in anything outside of that which the Word of God has made clear and made perfect and made holy. The Spirit of God does not lead you to do anything outside of what the Word of God teaches us to do. Amen? The Spirit of God never contradicts the Word of God. Oh, no. Verse 16 says that the Word is to dwell in you richly. Oh, this is good. Y'all know the word dwell means to be at home. And Paul calls on believers to let the Word take up residence, be at home in our lives. You know, it's kind of like one of my favorite things to do now is when I visit the home of my grown married children. Sometimes I want to just do the fun thing and treat their home the way they treated mine. <laughs> you know, y'all ever wanted to do that? Like, take a shower and just leave the towel in in the floor. Y'all would never do that, would you? I wouldn't do that, but I think about it. Or maybe when I'm brushing my teeth, just flick a little toothpaste on the mirror, you know? <laughs> I took a picture one day, Caitlin. I, I took her milk jug, and I was just going to drink it straight out of the fridge, you know? <laughs> Y'all say, <laughs> leave some dishes in the sink, all that kind of stuff. No. But the toothpaste on the mirror is my favorite one. But anyway, no, we, we do that to be funny, but that's not my home. Where I'm at home, I dwell there. I'm at home there. I go to my daughter's house. I mean, I don't go, you know, do exactly as I do at home, but because it's not my home. The word richly means this. It means abundantly. Not only should the word of God be at home in you, but it should dwell in you richly, abundantly. The truth of scripture should permeate every aspect of the believer's life and it should govern every thought, word, and deed. 
That's why I tell you to get in the word of God every day. And I know people tell me this and it breaks my heart and I want you to hear me, hear me. People tell me, preacher, I just don't have time to read the Bible every day. Yes, you do. I don't know if they heard one. Say it again, Mark. Yes, you do. And if you will let the word get in you, and when the word you get in the word and the word gets in you, you will walk in harmony and unity with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the Son of God. And you make a difference for the glory of God. It's when you walk away from the Word of God and you walk away from the influence of the Word of God that you quit hearing the voice of the Spirit of God. You don't see the need to worship God and you cease to bring glory to God because you walked away from the Word of God. Oh, hear me, children. Get in the Word. Let the Word get in you and let God get glory from your life oh God let that happen let it happen see preacher what is required of me as a Christian well to be certain that the word of God dwells in you richly it involves reading the word it involves studying the word it involves also living the word that means you are giving attention to the word that means you are absorbing the word that means you are allowing God to direct the activity of your life Here's a statement I really believe. If we truly love God, we love what God loves. You believe that? We love what God loves. He loves his church. Did you know that? Did you know God loves his church? He does. And he loves his word. He loves his church so much. Listen, you need to know this today, child of God, in case you hadn't been told. If you're a child of God, you need to be reminded. God loves you so much. He loves his word so much that the Holy Spirit of God, one divine author, spoke into the hearts of 40 human authors, three languages, 1,500 years, and over that period of time, one central message, one Savior, one Father who is in you all and through you all. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. He loves you that much. Wow. I think this... Understanding that truth ought to bring us all to our knees today. That he loves us that much. Now some people say, well, preacher, I thought that the study in the Bible was just the preacher's job. Well, and it is. But it's not because I'm just the preacher. It's because I'm a redeemed child of God. I love the word of God. You're right, it is my job. But I want you to know this. 2 Timothy 2.15 where it tells us to study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth that's not just for the pastor that's for all God's children amen it's not exclusive it's not exclusive just to church leaders it's all God's children and I believe that all God's children should faithfully read and absorb the word of God but the last part of verse 16 tells us this tells us why it's so important to make sure that you're filled with God's word here's what Paul does he teaches us to admonish others. Teaching is merely imparting information to other people. We can teach you the word of God, but there's a difference between that and admonishing. Here's what admonishing does. It's the negative side of teaching. I can give you facts and figures all day, and it may or may not move you, but admonishing, here's what it means. It means to warn people of the consequences of their behavior. I know that's not popular, and I know that's not all cool in this postmodern whatever generation we're living in now. I think we're past postmodern now. But nevertheless, it's not cool. But here, 
I believe we still got to warn people the consequences of their behavior. Teaching and admonishing others, it's a natural result of a life that is overflowing with the Word of God. It's kind of like this. Y'all ever been to that real spiritual place? Real spiritual breakfast place called the Waffle House? You ever went in there by yourself, maybe something, and you came home and your family gives you a hug and they say, hey, you've been to the Waffle House, eh? Ever done that, Mark? It kind of gets in you, don't it? It ain't just clogging your arteries. It's getting in your clothes. Amen. When you come in, they say, wait a minute, you've been to the Waffle House. Wait a minute, what's that got to do with what you're telling us? I'll tell you what it has to do. If I go to the Waffle House and come home, I bring home the aroma of the Waffle House with me. They ought to make a candle with that. Amen. Waffle House smell. But anyhow, <laughs> I didn't plan to say that today, Ray. Right? That's all right. Okay. Waffle House smell. All right, look here. What's happened is I brought the aroma of the Waffle House with me everywhere I go. So what I'm saying to you is, is hear me very clearly. You and I as children and children of God, if we are full of the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, living for the glory of God, worshiping a true and holy God, then His aroma ought to permeate our lives and wherever we go, it ought to be clear that we've been with Jesus. Amen? Amen. <laughs> like the... Oh, Peter and John over there, the apostles are Acts chapter 4. Sanhedrin said, I guarantee you, we know they're unlearned, uneducated, ignorant men, but one thing for sure, we can't deny the fact that they've been with Jesus. God help us. Here's Paul moves a little further. He begins to address the way that we teach and admonish one another. He says, we teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sometimes you may ask, what does singing have to do with the Word of God? Oh, there's a whole lot of singing in the Word of God. There's some praise services. There's some prayers. There's all kinds of stuff. And it has everything to do with one another. The Word of God and singing have everything. It's a, I believe it's a dangerous thing to separate the praise of God from the Word of God. Amen? It really is. So why did Paul make a distinction in these type of songs? What's the difference? Well, I'm going to walk you through it and help you, okay? Here's what psalms are. They are songs that are taken from Old Testament scripture. When you sing that little chorus, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you, that's a psalm, amen? Right there, Psalm 42. Uh, hymns are songs of praise written by believers that are not taken from the psalms, but they are songs of praise to God written by believers. They're wonderful, wonderful ways to worship God. But then there's also spiritual songs, which are expressions of Bible truth other than the psalms and hymns. These songs emphasize testimony. Here I am to worship. I'm forgiven because you're forsaken. We just sang about it, didn't we? Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? These songs express in song what God has done for us. And every time I read this verse, it causes me to consider Paul's teaching on the profitability of each of these styles, if you will, and how each of them can be used to glorify God's name. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Which one's right? All three. Which one's wrong? None of them. How can they be used wonderfully all together? It's very important to understand that. It's no secret that the church has experienced sweeping change over my lifetime and yours, and I've witnessed some even more sweeping change during my years of ministry, and no area 
area has experienced more change and controversy than the area of music. Hmm. It's my estimation. It's very sad because I believe this. I believe sometimes Satan uses this too to continue to use preference to divide us from the true mission of which God has called us, which is reaching people for Christ and training them to serve him. You're going to hear some things when I finish this series on Colossians. You're going to hear me talk a lot about the word kingdom because I believe we have all been all about the church and we forgot the kingdom. And I want you to know the kingdom is bigger than the church. And we get focused on the kingdom. We realize it's not about our preferences and we should never allow Satan to use anything that would cause us to divide. Here's what I've noticed about the generations in the past 15 years or so. I, I love young people because I used to be one of them. I love old people because I'm headed there rapidly. Amen? I really am. But I love our students. And one of the major goals as a pastor of young people is to help them build a solid foundation in order they can go out and they can impact the world for Jesus Christ and that they'd be able to defend their faith. Amen? Very important. And I believe it's important we understand that. But I've learned something about and I've made some observations about the, the generation that's came along the past 15 to 20 years that's really intriguing to me, and I believe you ought to know. The generations that are coming up, they are more interested in what's on the inside than just what's on the outside. Uh, what do you mean by that? If the preacher wears a tie, that's okay. If he wears a coat, that's fine. If he wears blue jeans, that's fine. They don't care. They're, they're worried about authenticity over appearance. Y'all with me? I mean, sometimes people think if you got a sport coat, that means you're full of the Spirit of God. I tell you, you can wear a sport coat and have a cold heart as cold as ice. It's not about your appearance. It's about the authenticity. This generation, they're not worried about fancy sanctuaries. They don't care if it's a warehouse. It don't matter. Really and truly, they like air conditioning, but I believe they could worship without it. It doesn't matter whether you have pews or chairs. They're not really caught up in that. And some people get caught up in that. If they stand up and worship for 45 minutes, they're fine. It doesn't bother them. It doesn't at all. They truly desire, as I said, authenticity over appearance or ability. If it was just about ability, they wouldn't come here me. Amen. But there's something else about them. I believe that the church is going to look very differently in the coming days, and it has. I've been saying it for a long time. But when it talks about singing, I want you to know this. I love singing. Marty, do I not sing every song with you there? Amen. Even when I don't know the words, I just go meatloaf, watermelon, watermelon, meatloaf. I mean, I, I, I want, but look here. I want to be your biggest cheerleader. Amen? Because we need cheerleaders. Do you know that? Do you ever go into a ball game and the cheerleaders just put the megaphones down Go sit down. No, you know what they're constantly doing? They've been working. They're putting the cheers together, trying to get the crowd to inspire those out there that are in competition. We need that. So I love singing. I'm not good at it, never will be, but I'll tell you this. I love singing. It means something to me. And, and you know what? I love choir singing. Amen? I, I don't mind if it's, uh, you know, three people, four people, but I really like choir singing. I, I tell you why? Because 40 always sound better than 4. If you got 40, you can let people like me participate. If you got 4, you don't want me up there. I'm going to ruin this thing. But look here. It really is important. I believe it's important we understand that. Most churches being planted today, they don't even entertain the thought of it. You know why? One is because they don't want to wade through all the drama and difficulties that come with it. 
Maze Jackson said it best, said when God kicked Satan out of the choir, out of of heaven, he landed in the choir. (laughs) He did. Do you know why? Because even in our choirs and even in our praise teams and even in our congregations, sometimes we get so caught up in the style. We worry about who's singing the solo. We worry about who's got a microphone. We just worry about all these general murmurings that come from folks who need to get focused on the kingdom and get their eyes on Jesus and not worry about all that stuff that does not matter. You know, when it comes to changes in worship, I've experienced most of them. Most of the controversy that arises when folks say, you know, I just want to keep my church my church. Key to the fact is, it's, it's not our church. It's not yours, it's not mine. It belongs to the one who went to the cross and purchased it. I believe that. But to our coming generation, I want you to hear me. No matter what changes you see in your lifetime, and you will, can I encourage you to do one thing? Always be certain that your worship, and that includes music, is based on the word of God, and everything you do, you do for the glory of God. When you listen to preaching, you listen for content. Don't you just look for charisma alone. You look for content. When you worship God through song, you make sure those songs are bringing glory to God. It's very important. Whether it's a psalm, whether it's a hymn, whether it's a chorus, whether it's Gold City or Toby Mac, it don't matter. Whoever it is, if God is using them to bring glory to God and bring people to the kingdom, we ought to be cheering them on. Amen? I believe that. Well, finally, i got to talk to you about this final part, verse... 17. Talks to us about the name of God, which is the completion of worship. Here's a question. What does it mean to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus? Here's what it means. It means we must act consistently with who he is and what he wants. It's kind of like I heard Tony Evans talking about popcorn. Y'all like popcorn? I like popcorn. I know y'all thinking, I can tell that boy likes butter on it too. I can tell. Now, I really, you know what? I really try to do good because sometimes the butter's a little rough. I got me one of these little air poppers. Y'all remember one now? Little air popper. You put your little cup in there and it's ree. And when it just a minute, you got you a full bowl. And, and I like popcorn. I've always liked, y'all remember the old days? How about you guys back in the old days when we didn't have a microwave? Anybody, anybody remember what it was like to live without a microwave? Okay, good. Got some friends. Thank you. There was a day, y'all, we didn't have microwaves in this world, okay? And we had this stuff called Jiffy Pop. The foil things. You remember you go you go to your grannies and, and you, you get her. I talked to my grandmother. I love to go to Piggly Wiggly with my grandmother. I even broke the front door out of that place one time. I was so excited and Mr. Horace, he's so gracious. But anyhow, I love to go to Piggly Wiggly because I tried to talk my grandmother into a few things. And one was, is I love dream sickles. Anybody like dream sickles? Woo! Okay. Dream sickles. And you know, it used to, you could just go in there and tear a carton open and get you one out. You could just buy one. You know what I mean? Okay. So we go in and, and she get one. And here's what she'd say. It'd be July. Now look here, July in Alabama. And she'd say, now you can't have that till we get to the house. We're going to Andersville, man. Nothing. St- and it, I'd drink it out of the thing. I mean, but I'd always wanted to get Jiffy Pop because I like to shake and bake. You know what I'm saying? And, and watch it go. Boop, 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 boop. You remember that? Oh, that was exciting. It was our entertainment, y'all. We had to do something. 
We had Jiffy Pop and fried green tomato sandwiches. Man, we had it. It was even before Jack's made it cool, amen? I went up there one day, I said, I didn't know how cool I was before fried green tomatoes became fashionable, amen? No, Jiffy Pop. Here's one thing about the popcorn. You see these things all the time. Somebody says, look, if you read my book, it'll give you five ways to fix this problem in your life. If you read my book, I got eight ways to fix this or 10 ways to fix this. But I want you to know it's, that only works for a little while. The secret to maturing in Jesus and doing everything in his name is realizing that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's where the story about popcorn comes in. You know what popcorn does? Popcorn is full of moisture. I didn't know this, but I didn't know. You don't see the moisture on the outside, but there's a whole lot of moisture on the inside. And what happens is, is when you put your Jiffy Pop or now your little microwave pop and you put that thing over there and you begin to heat it up and as those kernels get heated, here's what happens. Steam is produced and it begins to rise and the steam rises until it cannot contain itself anymore and the kernel pops. You say, why is this? Because what's going on the inside has got so hot that the outside can't keep it on the inside any longer. <laughs> Y'all know where we're going, amen? Hey, look here. It can't keep it there anymore. It has to give way to the pressure on the inside and it expands and it manifests on the outside because I don't know about you, once that popcorn kernel pops, it's a whole lot easier to eat than before it does. So God expects us. He expects us who he has put within us the moisture of the spirit of God that we would pop because our outside should be overruled by who's living on the inside, amen? The flesh no longer controls us because of the expansion of the living Christ within us. We ought to be popping. We'd rather just keep it in the shell. God help us. It's kind of like the story I heard this week. There was a man who the whole community had been trying to get to come to church with his family. Wife had been coming, little kids had been coming. And they'd talked to the man, they'd prayed for him, they'd done everything they knew to do, they thought. And one day they had a fire down at the church. The church building was on fire and the call went out through the community so all the men of the church and all began to run down to the church and when they got there, guess who they found? They found that one man that they'd been trying to get to come to church who had never come. One man they'd been thought of been witnessing to, praying for, trying to get to come to church, never come. And they get down there and he's got a bucket and he's filling it up and he's throwing it as fast as he can, trying to put the fire out. And they came to him and said, Sir, why did you wait till now to come? We've been trying to get you to come. Why did you wait till today? And here's what he said, because this is the first time I've ever seen this church on fire. God help us. British pastor R.E.O. White said this, the surest sign that you're carrying a full bucket is wet, is wet feet. <laughs> Sometimes we just, we don't want our bucket to overflow because people might make fun of us. We don't want our bucket to overflow because we might appear to be somewhat fanatical. But that pastor's reminding us that a life that is full of the word of God and is in love with the son of God will overflow from his life on to others because full buckets can't help but overflow. Let me ask you a question today. Are you carrying a full bucket? Do you have the aroma 
of the word of God, the spirit of God, and the son of God flowing from your life so strongly that it is clear to all who come in contact with you that you are not living for your glory, but you're living for his and that you are an ambassador of the son of God. Is it clear? Is your bucket splashing on others or are you just content to walk around with half a bucket so that you won't appear to be radical? Well, I'll tell you this and I'm done. I want to tell you why my bucket's full. And I want to tell you how you can get yours full. And I want to tell you the difference you make when you do. Years ago, I heard this song. I guess it would be considered a spiritual song. But it said these words. It said, I was lost, and you knew just where to find me. I was hungry, and you were bread for my soul. He said, I was thirsty, and you gave living water. You were my shelter when I had no place to go. That's why sometimes I just want to praise you. Sometimes just to speak your name. Sometimes I lift my hands to you without asking you for a thing. Sometimes I bow my head before you. Sometimes all I can do is cry. But everything that I have I owe to you and Lord Calvary's the reason why came through this worship center yesterday evening and saw her I sit right here in front, front where you are a little bit and I said Lord I want to talk to you about you people before I talk to them about you oh I do that through the week but yesterday was and I began to sing choruses to the Lord, just me and Jesus, Ray, David. It was a sweet time. And I began to sing, sing choruses about, y'all know my favorite one, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh. Lord, we need a fresh anointing. We can't borrow from yesterday. Come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Teach us of Jesus, his will, his way. Lord, take me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And then I thought about it and I sang that little chorus that Calvary's the reason why. And then I said, God, thank you for filling my bucket. And I pray that it never stops overflowing for you. I tell you something, God spoke into my heart this week in our missions conference. One morning I was in the service and I was sitting a few rows back, kind of like where Robin is over to right. Brother preached his heart out. Brother Jarman Leatherwood from Huntsville, Alabama, inner city church planner, doing a mighty work for God. And as I was there, the Spirit of God sat down on me and said, Son, there's so much more I want from your life. There's so much more I want to do. And the only person holding me back is you. So you know what I did, Robin? I left my seat. <laughs> You say, well, wait, I, 
I don't know. I just don't want to do anything to hold God back from using me or his people. So I went to the altar there and I said, God, I know there's no moral failure in my life. There's no immorality. There's nothing I'm doing outwardly that's bringing dishonor to you. But God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, my strength and redeemer. You know what? God taught me afresh what it's like because I watch some of you every week. The spirit of God is jerking a knot in you. And it is so easy to grab right a hold of this pew right here and say, I'll take it home and I'll deal with it there. And then you get home and you get in the car and you never deal with it because Satan talks you out of it. And I want to tell you the time to deal with it is while you are in the presence and under the influence of the word, the spirit of God. So what I want to say to you today is you say, well, it's hard. Here's all it takes. You say it's hard to step out, Brent, yeah. It takes courage, yeah. But I'll tell you what it takes more of. It takes obedience. And I believe for revival to ever break loose in this church or in this community, I'm going to tell you what it's going to take, you hear me? It's going to take some folks willing to be vulnerable. It's going to take a whole lot of taking some pride to an altar and it's going to take a whole lot of surrender and I want to tell you this I've lived too long and I'm too close to glory to not see his glory fall on his church can I say this so have you you say I'm not doing anything outwardly immoral well, that's great but what about in your heart do you have some preconceived notions about what you want the church to be like what you want it to look like, what you want it to sound like. I tell you what, you need to take that to Jesus because whether we realize it or not, it's sin. And I'm telling you, God really spoke into my heart this week. He wants to do so much with our church, but we got to let him. we got to let him. So here's my plea today. Will you let him? You may be here and say, I don't know what... God's really dealt with my heart, you know, to, to be a part of this fellowship. We invite you to do whatever God leads you to do. God's really stirred your heart about a particular ministry. He needs you to get involved. I plead you to do that today. But most of all, if you don't know Jesus, please don't leave here without him. Please. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. Thank you for the Spirit of God that reminds us and compels us. Father, I hear this invitation. I pray you continue the work you've stirred in my soul this week. And I pray that my bucket overflows. And I pray today that your people can come. Pour their hearts out to you. And leave here today with a full commitment to your word and allowing your purpose to be accomplished in their life. Lord, you know I love these people so much. Lord, only you, only you could love them more. But I know you do. God, let us be right with you today. Whatever decisions need to be made, 
I pray, God, you help each person make it in accordance to your purpose and for your glory. pray it in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes are closed, church. Here's the invitation. If you've never trusted Christ, I plead with you to come. I'll be right here to help you, and I won't leave you until you got full assurance of knowing that you're a child of the Most High God. you're here today you're a Christian you have other things you need to bring before the Lord I plead with you to do that I know it's uncomfortable and I know it's but I just believe there's power when people put themselves at the altar a place of sacrifice and I just pray you just honor God today Lord do what only you can do draw your net we're going to give you praise. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet all across the house. I want you to hear me. The next few minutes can either be moments that you endure or moments of transformation. I pray you let God transform you and he transform our church today by the faithfulness of his people to pour our hearts out to us. Marty, lead us when you're ready. You come to Jesus as God leads you. Jesus come 
praise to the Lord for his word this morning. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Our ushers are coming and they're coming. Today, I want to encourage you to um, remember the things we talked about during the welcome today and things that are coming up here this week. It's going to be a real busy week of ministry and pray that every opportunity will be one to show forth the praise of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. So do remember that and uh, do pray for those things. And I hope that you'll take the time this afternoon to go to the clevelandbaptist.org website and pick a time and let's fill those up and let's Heflin Baptist have great representation as a part of this cooperative effort with our brothers and sisters because when you speak the word ladies and gentlemen hear me the word of God faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God Romans 10 17 right the word of God if you're a child of God today here's what it was it wasn't a preacher that got you there amen it wasn't a sermon that got you there and it wasn't a song it was the word of God that came either through that song or through that sermon or through that preacher or through that grandma or your mom and daddy, whoever it was. It was the word of God that made you aware you're a sinner and the spirit of God working together. It was the word that made the difference in your life. Amen? As we read and speak the word over this city, we're saying, God, we can't fix it, but you can. As we read it over this county, God, we can't fix it, but you can. As we read over our state and our country, you can't fix it, we can't fix it, but you can. Amen? So we're saying, God, we believe him. We are unashamed to publicly declare our faith and our allegiance and dependence on you by publicly reading the word of God. And hear me, church, we need to take every opportunity we can to do that in this day and age. We never know when it's going to come under fire. Amen? It probably already is, but it really could. And I want to tell you, we need to take every opportunity we can to get the word of God out while there's still time. Amen? So we're going to give today from our hearts joyfully, cheerfully, and sacrificially because we love Jesus, we love his church, and we believe that he's using us as a part of his church to get the gospel to the world from the front door, cross street, round the world. Amen? So let's join our hearts together, and let's ask God's blessings on our giving. Our God, we come to you, Lord, thanking you, Lord, for this opportunity to come and to worship you today. Lord, I pray that we'd search our hearts, Lord, and that we would clear our hearts of anything that ever hinders us from truly and honestly worshiping you. Lord, this message we've heard today, Lord, I pray that we take it to heart, Lord, that we would we would uh, just pray about it and, and search ourselves, Lord, and Lord, just be prepared for revival here and everywhere. Lord, I thank you for our pastors here, the word, the pastor, the 
every time you hear Miss Connie break into one of those, ding, 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 you know, right there at the end, reminds me of the first time I heard Dallas Home on an eight-track tape, youngins. Amen? Rise again. Y'all remember that? God. Ain't no power on earth. I know that's double negatives, but it's a good message. Amen? Ain't no power on earth could tie him down. He's coming back. Amen? This afternoon, 5.30 is the time we'll worship just prior to the starting of the well, the uh, reading, 5.30 to 6, we'll have a worship time at Ross Park right here in town. I think the rain's supposed to be out of here, so that'll be good. It's 5.30, so we can have a worship time. Tents up, and there'll be, uh, we'll have guys getting everything ready this afternoon. So 5.30, uh, we'll meet there. And then on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we suspend the reading at Ross Park for a time of worship and fellowship. So you can have worship and a tube steak to boot. Amen. Uh, if you do that, just don't put them under the microscope, right? Amen. Nevertheless, that's what we'll be doing tonight and Wednesday uh, as a part of our worship times and our Bible reading times, all that. It's going to be a great week. We look forward to seeing what all God does. And please don't ever forget that I love you and there's nothing you can do 